0: We return to the second uh, installment in our digression at the crossroads at Kadesh in Numbers chapter 13. Once again, let us hear the Word of God. Let us begin at verse 30, reading to the end, Numbers 13 Resuming at verse 30, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. We... Continue in the subject of decision-making and the Christian, having looked at the governing principles this morning, the governing principles which should guide us and lead us into that good land, as it were, of pleasing God. We exist for God and not the other way around. Our happiness is bound up in God. His revealed will is the rule of all our decisions, and yet there are the many dangers of ignorance and lies that surround us and as a fountain constantly regenerating with the filth and the sewage of corruption. Yes, even new creatures have within them a principle that is contrary to the law of their mind and it constantly wants to bring them back. But finally... In looking at these governing principles, the will of the believer is blood-bought, and he is, by the sovereign work of the Spirit, a doer of God's will. That is what a Christian is. Behold, my mother, brothers and sisters, for everyone who does the will of my Father, the same is my mother and brother. Well, we turn now second to some general directions, and then third and last, a kind of a a clinic, if you will, as we look at a checklist for the godly in decision-making and some scenarios to illustrate. So, some general directions concerning decision-making. As we reflect upon the great decision that was placed upon the children of Israel as they heard those 12 witnesses, 10, saying, don't go here. And two saying, no, let us go. For the Lord is more than able to give this land and its inhabitants into our possession. And what a tragic, tragic uh, Ruin of a decision it was, a decision that secured their destruction and created 40 years of hardship and trouble and difficulty until finally that generation died off. Think of it. In one moment, as they are this close to entering into the promised land, a decision is placed before them, A wonderful opportunity to inherit the land that God swore to the fathers, but they botched it. And that's a gross understatement. Well, what are some general directions following the governing master principles? Well, first, understand God's will. Understand God's will. Ephesians 5.17 Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You see, far from being this kind of strange, esoteric, murky business, That I really just have no hope that I can really uh, penetrate and far uh, from the situation being one in which uh, if we're going to learn God's will, it's just going to be uh, airdropped right to us. It's going to be a a bolt from the blue and I, I guess I just need to wait for it. I need to wait for the lightning of God's will to strike and then I'll get up off my couch and put the controller down and do something. Paul says, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. It's a duty. All Christians are, unless they're not really Christians, Unless they're actually unconverted. All Christians, as we have said, are doers of the will of God by virtue of being a Christian. Have you taken Christ as your prophet? Not just a priest, but as, have you taken him as your, as your master? Have you heard him? Has he touched your heart? And have you begun to follow him? And to the degree that he enlightens your mind and imparts to you knowledge of the will of God, have you begun to follow him? Well, the imperative, the guidance is, continue in that. and work at understanding God's will. A text that could be either an encouragement to you or a rebuke comes from Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 to 14. For this commandment, which I command thee this day, is not hidden from thee neither is it far off it is not in heaven that thou shouldest say who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it but the word is very nigh or near thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it You see, you're not heathen people. You have this book by the grace of God. You once were darkness, you once were blind and ignorant, raw heathen. But now he has drawn you, according to the prophecy, to Mount Zion. And you have gone into the mountain and you have inquired after the law of God. Don't think it's like the Odyssey. I have to go on this, this great adventure. Or I surely can't go, but we've got to pick somebody who's fit and has some smarts and he can actually get in a ship and go into the most remote And places of the world and brave all kinds of dangers, and then finally, finally get the Holy Grail of God's will and bring it back to us. That's not the way it is. In fact, it's so near, it's in your mouth. Is your tongue near you? I dare say that it is, it is in your heart. Is your heart near you? You see, if you complain, I don't know what God's will is, and you call yourself a Christian, there's a serious problem. Understand. Do not be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Second, read... Consume and digest the book. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt read therein day and night and meditate. You see, you can't take the Bible and just kind of put it to your cheek and hold it there and hope that by osmosis, the contents of the Bible and the will of God are going to get into my mind and in my heart and change me. It doesn't work like that. It takes pains, as the Puritans would say. Prayer and pains avail much, John Eliot said. You've got to eat it, chew it, swallow it, and not pick out what you think are the bones. Oh, I don't like that. You're kind of like a, a child who's very picky. Oh, I don't, I don't like that. I think I'm just going to leave that over here. No. Pray for enlightenment. Open thou mine eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. Notice how there is this sweet marriage of the objective and the subjective. The objective is the objective reality of God's word. I desperately need that. But my heart is very stubborn and reluctant. And I have, as it were, scales over my eyes. I can be reading this for hours on end, but there's something wrong inside. So, Lord, open my eyes. Help me to see, O oh God. Maybe that's your problem. Maybe the reason why you took the wrong road is because you were reading the Bible, but you weren't praying that God would give you a sensitive heart, that God would give you a spiritual understanding. That's what David is praying for when we, when we sang Psalm 25, teach me thy way, O Lord, thy paths, O teach thou me. And do thou lead me in thy truth, therein a leader be? He's not saying put your Bible down and then just go and pray and explain. No. But with your Bible open, you read, you meditate, you pray. You read, you meditate, you pray. You read, you meditate, you pray. my memory serves right, I think Matthew Henry read the Bible on his knees just to have his body reinforce to his mind, I can't do this without prayer. Prioritize, prioritize, and reprioritize. Thoughts Over-feelings. Bible over-thoughts. Keep the order right. It has to be the Bible instructing my mind and my mind informing my feelings. Not my feelings taking me this way and then that way. Jerking me, leading me. Sometimes Sometimes my feelings, they're just like an engine without fuel. There's just no feelings there, and so I just don't do what God wants me to do. Sometimes that's the problem. I just don't have the feelings. Or I just don't love her anymore. Love is so much more than feelings. Feelings are nice, feelings are good. But they shouldn't be in the driver's seat because they're not reliable. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. That's a a continual process of prioritization. Making the main thing the main thing. Major on the minors? No, major on the majors. Minor on the minors. But be transformed every day by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, that is, personally experience and be able to validate yourself what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Sort the good thoughts by weight. The bad thoughts, sort them into the dumpster. Keep the good thoughts, but then sort them. You know, back in the day, way, 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 way back when, when we didn't use plastic as much, to make purchases. We pulled out the dollar bills, the fives, the twenties, and the different kinds of coins. Now I could give the cashier a thousand pennies, but if it cost a hundred dollars, then you see, that wouldn't work. Maybe you've got a thousand pennies That you've been looking at as a thousand quarters, but they're actually just a thousand pennies. You see, you've got to place the emphasis on the right syllable. Remember what Jesus said. He said, You tithe the mint. And the cumin and the anise, you know, you go down all the way to the detail and you make sure, okay, that's 90% and there's 10%. We're going to give the 10% of the mint and then we'll go to the anise and then the cumin. And you neglect the weight here matters of the law. sort the good thoughts by weight seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and then everything else like food and food and drink yeah that's in the back prioritize the kingdom and righteousness and god's going to take care of the rest But if, like the Gentiles, you reverse that order and you seek the food and the drink and the shelter and you do all these things and you omit seeking God, His kingdom, and His righteousness, you lose everything. And again, that's one reason why we come to church and not just come to church, but talk to each other in the Lord. Not only about what we've heard from the pulpit, but what the Lord is teaching us is because we need ourselves to recalibrate our priorities again and again and again. And we're not islands. We can't do it all on our own. It's kind of like boys and girls. You've got a, this itch on your back and you just can't reach it. Can you reach that itch for me? Read Providence with your glasses on. This is getting close to the brass tacks of decision-making. The Bible is static. It's 66 books. It's not going to change at all. It never has. It never will. But our life is constantly in flux, and we're having to make 100, 1,000, 10,000, even micro decisions all the time. What we have to do is be in this book and then interpret what's coming into our lives with those principles. And so as you're working, as you're resting, as you're sleeping, as you're rising, as you're eating and drinking, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And then apply what you're learning in God's Word to the concrete issues of your life. Now, suspect yourself. We tend to be very misguided, we are as sheep that so easily wander and go astray. We're influenced by the herd. And then because we're right smack dab in the midst of the herd and everyone else is thinking this way and acting this way, it becomes a kind of an insulation and it's comfortable and it's easy. And we lie to ourselves thinking that we're in the middle of God's will because others are doing it this way. No. Thomas Boston said, men think themselves safe enough if there be a multitude before them. They are shameless in sin because they have many neighbors. Well, again, distrust anything that isn't God's word. That includes yourself, that includes the crowd. Trust the Lord, but be careful. Watch and pray. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. learn by practice In Hebrews 5:14 we learn that strong meat belongs to those who are of full age those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern between good and evil You've got to obey what you know to learn and grow Walk with the wise He that walketh with the wise shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Ask them counsel. their safety in a multitude of counselors. And then when you have whatever decision it is... When you've gathered the data, you've been in prayer, you're seeking the Lord, you've got good companions and friends who are giving you some input and feedback, then run the numbers and pull the trigger. We just have to act sometimes. We just have to get off our knees or stop repeating again and again everything that we already know, and we need to go. And even if there's some nervousness and uncertainty, we just have to let our minds say, I've done my homework, it's time for the test. And to get up and to go. a famous actor, some of the 40 and up, We'll know of Christopher Reeve, who, though he was an icon of health and strength, was paralyzed from the neck down. And he made this comment. He said, some people are walking around with the full use of their bodies, and they're more paralyzed than I am. Sometimes we just, we can't make a decision. We're just so scared that something bad is going to happen. Well, that probably indicates that we haven't been doing our homework, that somewhere in the back, maybe the excessive fear is because we haven't learned how to trust the Lord and wait upon Him. It could be a hundred different things, but the Lord calls us At a certain point, go take the land. Go do it. Today, get off the fence and do what it appears God is calling you to do. And if you make a wrong turn, then turn back and go to the fork in the road. Now, third and last, a checklist for the godly and some scenarios to illustrate. So, everything we've heard briefly six checks, check boxes, especially when it comes to bigger decisions. The law check is it forbidden? The value check. Does it fit with biblical priorities? Clearance check. Is there a providential opening or not? Fourth, safety check. Is this wise? Is this reasonable? The knees check. Have I sought God about it? As the Gibeonites show up, and they got their moldy bread before we enter into contract we need to pray an advice check have i sought counsel from others about it and are they generally encouraging we well, consider the following scenarios A man wants to switch careers from the law and start his own business. All things being equal, that's lawful. Even if maybe it disappoints his parents. All things being equal, that would be lawful. A couple thinking of living together first before marriage not lawful. Or how about a divorce? Because not of adultery or willful desertion, but because of irreconcilable differences. These are major decisions that people make. These are major decisions that Christians make today. And they make it for a hundred different reasons. Many of them coming down to their feelings. Many of them coming down to the fact that Many other people do this, and therefore, it's good for me. How about a mother of three who in her spare time wants to write a book? All things being equal, that's a lawful thing. Now, if it's an unclean book, that's a different thing. And if she invests way too much time so that she neglects her other responsibilities, then that, of course, is not in the will of God. A man who wants to become a pastor and start a church, well, that could be lawful. But what if he wants to become a pastor and start a church on his own? He's not a church member or if he is, he just wants to do it. Well, that's not lawful at all because the Bible gives us the principle that how shall they preach except they be sent? And so you've got to know the Bible, at least on, on a certain level, to be able to make these decisions. Which is, again, let me just urge everyone, keep on your daily Bible reading and prayer. Coming to church, it's not enough. How about a man who has a wife and young children, he's offered a promotion, but he has to work on the Lord's Day. That's not God's will. The same man offered a promotion, but he's going to be away from his family a lot and must relocate from a solid church. That's getting concerning. The same man offered a greater position. He must relocate, and there's no clearly faithful church within 90 miles. If I knew someone like that, I'd be saying, Brother... I think you need to really rethink this one. Purchasing a home. A couple wants to purchase a home. It's reasonably priced. They can afford it. It's a safe community. It's an easy drive to a good church. All things being equal. It's fine. You don't have to you don't have to wait for some bolt from the blue. You don't, have to, you don't have to have some kind of holy guru come and visit and feel the walls and sense if this is, this is just the right place for you. No! If the basic criteria are met, you've got to have a place to live, and if you can afford it, Well, then go for it. Don't get all hung up. But what if the home is quite expensive and well beyond the means of this particular couple? What if the purchase of this home would mean that the wife with these young children would have to work and leave the children with grandparents just to have the home? That's a problem. The priorities, they're out of whack. If you're uncertain about the value check, there, or the law check, there certainly is the value check. What's, what's more important here? Having much bigger rooms? Having a second garage? Or having well-adjusted children and a healthy marriage? How about the couple can afford the home, but the husband wants to continue to live anyhow with his parents to save money? That is, he's the kind of guy who just can't buy anything. So he's got to save and save and save. At some point, that's going to be too great of a a strain upon his marriage because the biblical principle is that a man needs to leave father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. College, big decisions. A young lady wants to go to college. She can afford it. She's got good scholarships. There's a solid church there. You know a family that goes there, and they would be happy to have your daughter live with them. And the parents have gone there. They... They like the place, the circumstances. Well, all things considered, it seems like green lights all the way down the road. But what about the same young lady, but the college of her choice, it involves a lot of debt, and she hasn't really done any research on the return on investment. Never mind the fact she really hasn't thought about whether She's going to get married or even have any children. A lot of young people, they just don't think about these things. It's very tragic. That's not safe. What about if she can afford it and it is in a profession that is in high demand, but the particular school, the parents are concerned about the situation. You see, you, you have the value check. You have the, the clearance check. Is there really an opening of God's providence? Is it, is it safe? Is it wise? Is the advice, is the advice confirming, or is it suggesting this isn't such a great idea? Last set of scenarios. Romantic relationships. A young man wants to marry a girl, but she's not a Christian. That, of course, fails the law test, not to be unequally yoked. Now, what if she's a Christian? She's mature. They love each other, but her parents are against it because the man and the woman who are interested, they're of different races. Now, there you have a situation in which you'd have to go against advice and even the approval of parents. But is it lawful? And is it fair if they desire to marry? What if this young man is interested in a Christian girl, but she is a tongue-speaking charismatic and doesn't believe in the Lord's Day? He's a Presbyterian. Wow. you see, there, there's a male and a female, so we've checked one box. Christian and Christian, we've checked a second box. But does this pass the safety check? Is this a very wise decision? Is he so sure that he's going to be able to convince her to come to a Presbyterian church? Well, maybe, maybe. We're not saying that this can't be done, but there are a lot of circumstances that have to be considered. Are they younger and not yet have had children, or are they older? There may be a number of different considerations and concerns. So we're not saying on face value, don't do it, but there are things that need to be worked through first before it becomes wise or safe. Now, what if she seems to be a perfect fit but she's just not interested. And she rebuffs all his advances. Well, then that fails the clearance test because there is not a providential opening. And if he persists unreasonably to pursue this young woman, there are going to be problems. But let's come all the way back as we close to the great decision, because all of this, friends, is really downstream from the most important decision that you can ever make, and that is who is on the Lord's side. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You may be very interested in figuring out a way throughout all of these difficult decisions that are in your life, but you haven't yet resolved this one. You've got to get off the fence because you go wrong here. It doesn't matter how successful you are. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? This is the major crossroad. You may get little decisions wrong, way down on the right path. And the Lord will still be gracious and loving to you. But you cannot afford to get this one wrong. May God add his blessing, to this his holy word. Amen. Please rise. Our Lord, we are grateful for the word of God, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Give us the light, give us the understanding, and give us a will to choose that which is good, above all to choose that pearl of great price and to sell all that we may have it. Hear us, Lord, forgive us, and bless us as we part uh, to our homes and bring us in due time back together again. In the most worthy name of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, amen.